Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Isn't that convenient? Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. There's a party going on right here. Really? A celebration. Yeah, you know, that song came out in 1980. I know that. Okay. Off the top of my head. That's a long time ago. Yeah, well, you know. That was so 20th century. We're, we're talking, yeah, we're talking about 21st century here. Uh, we actually have a topic that is, cur- comes to us courtesy of a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Todd, and Todd says, Hi there, tech stuff. My name is Todd, and I live in Adelaide, Australia. At school, we were talking about what would have happened if Y2K did go ahead. Here's a thing, Todd. Um, Y2K did go ahead. Otherwise, right. we wouldn't be in 2009. I, mean, I think he's talking he's, about the uh, computer problem. Oh, 
My bad. Let me just finish the email then. Okay. Then one of my friends brought up something about the year 2038. It happens to 32-bit systems, but that's as far as I know. Actually, uh, Todd, 2038 is going to happen to everybody because – I think this goes back to the similar problem before. He's oh, talking about a computer thing. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I'm being kind of picky. Uh, so I would like more information or, if possible, a podcast. Thanks, Todd. Todd, I'm really not making fun of you. I'm just being kind of a jerk face right now. That's me being a jerk face, not you. So, uh, but yes, the 2038 problem, as it is known, is somewhat similar to the Y2K problem. So let's start by talking about the Y2K problem. Okay. Cause that's, that's easy to, to grasp. It's a pretty yes. easy, simple problem. Okay. So, so here's, here's what the deal was with the Y2K problem. The deal was that in several lines of code for various applications, programmers got a little lazy when they were filling out the space for a year. Mm hmm. And they only allowed two digits to express the year, thinking, well, that's more than enough because by the time the year 2000 rolls around, which would be zero, zero, if you're, if you're designating it in two digits, by the time that rolls around, we'll be on totally different computer programs, totally different systems. Besides, this is just a line of code. I can change it later. Uh, nothing to worry about. Let's just plop it in there. It'll save me time. I don't have to worry about two extra digits. See, the thing is, if it had reached zero, zero, it still would have assumed that the first two digits would be 19. Yes. So instead of rolling over from 1999 to 2000, it would have rolled over from 1999 to 1900. Thus turning your computer or other device into a time-traveling machine. Mm. And yes. you know what? If you don't like it, you can get in your horse and buggy and... Right. You can see the construction <laughs> of the railways from sea to shining sea. Actually, that's not what would happen. It would... The, here, here's the thing is that the, it would have the, caused serious problems. Actually. Well, the media picked this up and well, that's the other problem. The, yeah. Here's the real problem. The media picked this up and began to proclaim a, a, an era of chaos would soon descend upon us, thrusting us back into the stone age. Satellites would fall from the sky. Planes would plummet to the ground. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Housewives <laughs> would be eaten by toasters. It was just going to be horrible. And, and most of us were wondering exactly how bad this was going to be. I mean, really, they were talking about this affecting microchips that were in everything from computers and supercomputers, which you would expect, to sim you know, seemingly innocent devices. Yes. Like smoke detectors. And you, really, I began well, to, I began to envision something like the realization of the movie Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> which was based off a Stephen King screenplay and is absolutely terrible. Don't watch it. But in it, the machines okay, come I alive haven't. and attack people. So, so they, based uh, upon the media's reports, it sounded like we were all going to be destined to a fiery, nasty death at the hands of our electronics. And the funny, the thing that that kind of got me was when when it was all over with, you know, January 2nd on 2000, everybody was going, ah, see, I knew there was not going to be any big deal. But actually, there would have been if ha people hadn't been working on fixing it over that, you know, year to two years beforehand. Yeah, there, there were a were, lot of things that had to be corrected. There were a lot of people who went in and would change lines of code so that they so that the uh, year would roll over properly. And that, you know, we're talking about going through hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lines of code for some of these applications. And I mean, I, I think it probably was overhyped by the media, yes. And I'm but, sure, I'm sure there were several systems out there that were not fixed that did roll over to zero zero and nothing happened because 
really the only thing that would happen is if, if the systems depended upon the date. Yeah. Most systems don't depend upon the date. They depend upon just keeping time. Like they're, yes. they're, they're counting time in a matter of clicks or seconds or whatever. So they're if not, it's 2.07 a.m., it's 2.07 a.m. no matter what the year is. Yeah, they don't, it, it, it's not dependent upon the date. Now, if you have a calendar software and you are dating system in the code was two digits long, yes, that's going to be a problem because anything that you would schedule for the 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 week following the last week of 99 would seem to appear in 1900. And that, that turns out to be an issue for most of us. Um, but most pro, pro, programs that were running on some sort of date uh, system were not reliant on a two-digit year designation. So it ended up being a big non-story. It was one of those things where the media had really, really drummed it up and it sounded like it was going to be Armageddon. Uh, I was actually more worried about the re- how people would react more than the machines. Mm-hmm. I was worried that people were going to be convinced that this was going to be the end of civilization and start, you know, like we're going to have to create our own militia and we're going to have to <laughs> depend upon ourselves. And I mean, there are stories of people stockpiling oh, food yeah. and yeah. water and all that kind of stuff. I was more worried about what those guys were going to do rather than the machines. And of course it turned out to, be pretty much a big story about nothing at all. Yeah. So now that brings us to the 2038 problem. It is similar to the Y2K problem in that, again, it has something to do with the date. Yes. And in this case, it does have to do with um, 32 bits. Yes. And a very specific date. See, now, according to Unix and C-based programming languages, time began on January 1st, 1970, midnight, Greenwich Mean Time. Yeah, that 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 value is zero. Yeah, it starts at zero. That's when time began. No, well, actually, I guess technically you could argue that you could have a negative integer, uh, in which case time did not begin then. That's just the zero. That would be as if we went from BC to AD. Actually, we're getting ready to get into the negative integers. Yes, because see, there is a limit to the amount of time as expressed in this form. And right. That, that that limit. Should I say what the limit well, is? Well, well. Before we say what the specific oh. limit is, we can say why there's a limit. It's because you mean it's the standard four byte format. Yes, yes, or it's, four bytes, which four times eight, because remember there's eight bits to a byte. That means thirty two bits. Thirty two bits. So thirty two bits. One bit uh, represents the sign, whether it's positive or negative. Mm-hmm. The other thirty one bits can represent the actual numbers, and it with. 31 bits plus the positive or minus, that means that you have a maximum number that you can reach. Do you have that number in front of you? I have Yes, it. I do. You want to read it off? Yes, it's 2,147,483,647. So now on Unix-based systems, they count time in seconds. So each of those integers represents one second. So one second after January 1st, 1970, uh, Zero o'clock, if you want to talk about military time, you know, one second after that would be the the first on this journey. Well, that means that once you hit two billion one hundred forty seven million four hundred eighty three thousand six hundred forty seven seconds after zero o'clock, you've reached the maximum that that thirty two bit system can count up to. It cannot count higher than that. And what date does that translate to? That would be January nineteenth, twenty thirty eight. Yes. So on January 19th, 2038, any system that is based on this 32-bit architecture is going to hit its limit. And then one of two things really is probably going to happen. Either it's going to roll over to the negative number. 
which would be negative two million one hundred forty seven thousand four hundred eighty three. Wait, one two million billion one hundred forty seven million four hundred eighty three thousand six hundred forty seven. Right. So turns and then that start negative. counting up. Yeah, exactly. And and some people say, well, that would mean that it would start at December, like in December nineteen oh one or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But um, so it's either going to do that, or it's going to just totally crash. Because it can't handle the, the fact that it's, it's gone beyond the amount of time it can count up to. And this actually will happen. We'll, we'll be able to see some evidence of this before 2038 because any kind of software that projects into the future, like, like calendar software, anything mm-hmm. like that, where you're looking ahead is going to r- encounter that problem once you start to try and look beyond January 19th, 2038. Yes. Um, so. It is a real problem. Now, it's a real problem for 32-bit based systems. If you are not using a 32-bit based system, it is not a problem for you. And 64-bit based systems are becoming more popular. Right. And we should also point out that by the year 2038, I don't think there are going to be that many 32-bit based systems out there at all. There might be some legacy systems and some legacy software that was programmed using language that uses the same that follows the same format, that's going to be a problem. That's going to need to be adjusted, and it's not easy to do. You can't just flip a switch and change it from 32-bit to 64-bit. It's actually really complex. Well, there is another way to deal with it, and that's to adjust the way it it handles time. Yeah. You know, because it could be a switch to a um, a new library system that uses, you know, uh, an eight byte value for a you know time storage format. Well, there so, you go. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Going to sixty four bit because but, that's that's eight times eight is sixty four. So well, yes, yes. Um, but yes, you can do that. Mm. What I'm saying is that it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, especially if you're talking about software, because you're likely going to r- encounter multiple instances of that that thirty uh, two bit based uh, uh, timekeeping system. Within a particular program, and you have to change all of those. It's not like you can just, you know, port it over. Is what I'm saying. No, that's true. And it, it would be easier with the way things are right now to go ahead and, you know, transfer over to a more sophisticated machine with a more sophisticated operating system. Right. So, uh, if you did transfer over to a 64-bit system, do you know how many seconds that can accommodate? No, Jonathan. How many seconds could that? <laughs> all right. <laughs> he was he's been just, preparing for just, this all day. I just want you ready. to know this. So it's, he was practicing earlier. I heard him. This is how many seconds it can. And again, this okay. is both positive and negative. So you can double this because okay. it's actually twice as many seconds. Okay. So you're looking at positive or negative. Okay. Nine quintillion, 223 quadrillion, 372 trillion, 36 billion, 854 million, 775,807 seconds. I'm guessing that the sun will go to red dwarf before we use no, that. No, it's not quite that bad, but yeah, it'll okay. be, it'll be a long, long time before you have to worry about it. I just wanted um, to say that. Yeah. Cause, cause, I, I, you know, cause you're talking about billions of fact. years. I'm, I'm, I'm not basing that right. on a scientific fact. I'm so, just goofing around. Now with the, the, the 2,147,483,647 seconds that we were talking about before. Yes. That translates to 35,791,394 minutes or 596,523 hours or 24,855 days or 68 years, give or take. You have to figure in leap years in there so it kind of messes things up. Can I start calling you Sheldon now? Oh, wow. (laughs) 
I would didn't like deliver to think it dryly I, enough. I'd like to think I'm a close. Little, I'd prefer C-3PO, I think, <laughs> to Sheldon. I, I think I'm a little more socially adjusted than Sheldon is. I don't know. Is, is C-3PO more well-adjusted than, than Sheldon Cooper? Uh, yes. That's, you, make, that's, you make a point. Well, I'd also like to think that if you dismembered me, I'd still be talking. Okay. Well, C-3PO, you definitely can do that. Sheldon, I'd... I haven't seen that episode yet, so I don't know. Right, there you uh, go. But anyway, so obviously if you switch to a 64-bit system, that's a much greater capacity uh, as far as counting up the, the year. Um, this, As we said, this is not – you can't say that this is a non-trivial problem because if you are running legacy machines or legacy software, you will have to address this issue in one way or another. If it's something that you can't just you know switch to the newest version – because it's true. I mean, there there are businesses out there that refer on, you know, pr- they rely on old programs, and their whole system is built around an old program, and they can't just port to something new. Right. So but in I that case, think... you have to fix the old one rather than, you know, just say let's switch to a different system. Right. I apologize for speaking. No, no. Out of turn. Um, but speaking. I don't. But I don't think that uh, that you're going to see the hype in 2036 and 2037 that you saw in 1998 and 1999 about the problem because I think it's going to be, for the most part, a moot point. Yeah, most people will be on newer systems. You might hear some reports about how old systems may not work properly. Uh, you know, you want to keep an eye on things like bank accounts and stuff like, hey, the DOT. Says, you know, yeah. And here's the thing is that some of the older systems also happen to be with some of the more important ones. I mean, like those are hard to change over. Yeah, you think they about get things them working like, and they like don't want to mess with them. the electric grid. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you, that means that we have to make sure the electric grid is running on the on a sixty four bit or better system. Again, if you went to a hundred twenty eight bit system, I don't even have the the breakdown of how many how many seconds that would be. It would be huge. Yeah, lots. Let's use the technical term of lots. But we do that. have we do have twenty eight years or so to. To mess with it, so. Yeah, well, 20. Yeah, 28, sure. Okay, yeah. And, of course, by then, as I was pointing out to Tyler earlier, we'll be in the singularity for three years. Good point. So why would we worry? We're going to be evolving so quickly that the 2038 problem, we're going to have so many different kinds of problems by then. Yeah. Like, how do we stop the Terminators from ruining our gardenias? Gardenias. (laughs) I mean, they just, they have no sense of propriety, those, those jerks. All right. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know what got I, Chris, but he's like giving me a look right now. Nah, it's okay. Is All it right. because I brought in the Terminator? No, no, it's not because you I brought can, in the Terminator. I can talk about, I can talk about Johnny Five if you prefer. <laughs> no disassemble. All right. No, I mean, we can talk about nice robots if you like. Asimo, Asimo's a very nice guy. I met him once. Yeah. Actually, I shouldn't say him. I met it once. It actually had the voice of a little girl, which was very disturbing. You like, know what, uh, um, what Asimo's spouse said when it came home? What's that? Hi, Honda. I'm home. Oh, my dear. Okay. <laughs> We're just, uh, I'm going to take a moment here. Um, so anyway, <sighs> I hope that answers your question, <laughs> Todd. Uh, yeah. And, and we should also point out that the Unix-based systems are not the only ones to have this kind of an issue. Um, there are other systems. There was a IBM PC hardware that could suffer from a, prop, a similar problem where uh, it'll start counting over once we hit the year 2116. I don't think most of us are going to have to worry about that. Um, 
No. I don't know. Wait, the singularity? Maybe we will. If we're all PC-based robots, you know, that's going to really be weird. Because when the singularity hits, all the PC-based robots will be, like, really utilitarian, and all the Mac-based robots will be, like, kind of, like, the sexy celebrities. Yeah. And then all the Linux-based robots will be the ones at home playing D&D on the tabletop. Yeah. Please don't write me. Right. So I'm not sure, you know, if we're going to have to worry too much about it. Because I, I just think that most of the problems now are very selective. Uh, sure. they're, they're, they're specific to a subset of computing at this point mm-hmm. and not as widespread as the Y2K problem. So, I, you know, I think in general now, especially because of the uh, <laughs> the dramatic amount of hype that went around with the uh, Y2K situation that it uh, I think people are sort of attuned to what may be coming up more so than they would have been before that. Or at least they don't care as much. And then there's that. Well, let's finish this off with a little extra listener mail. Okay. This listener mail comes from Matthew, and he says, Hey, Crispy. Hey, Jonathan. First, I wanted to say you guys are awesome. I love to listen to you guys, and I love your puns. Now to business. In your Tech Conspiracies podcast, you said that the Mr. Fusion power generator on the DeLorean powered the car. As a big fan of Back to the Future, I just wanted to let you know that Mr. Fusion did no such thing. He only powered the time-traveling circuit, hence the absence of the need for plutonium or lightning. In fact, this crucial detail is the entire basis for the story in Part 3, when Marty can't get back home because the DeLorean is out of gas and there is none available in 1885. Just thought you guys would like to know. Your faithful listener, Matthew, Seattle, Washington. P.S. Part 3 is superior to Part 2 simply because of the fact that it is a Western, which was the same point I made. Thank you, Matthew. When you remove the Western aspect of it, then you don't have a movie. You have the end of Part 2, which we already established was the worst of the three films. (laughs) Ding. All right. At any rate, yes, you are correct. The Mr. Fusion did only power the flux capacitor as opposed to the entire car. So it powered the car when it was flying around at the end of the Gasoline. It was gasoline. And it was a DeLorean. It got horrible, horrible miles per gallon. Yes, but when it was flying. flying, you know where we're going, we don't need roads. Yes, gasoline yeah. powered the engine that allowed it to create whatever anti-gravity field it used to fly. Okay. Maybe it was the battery, too. I don't know. Maybe it was the battery, too. Because, what you, look, what powered the hoverboard? Mattel. Product placement. DeLorean was powered by Mattel. It all falls into place. Yes. Thank you, Matthew, for sending us off on a bizarre tangent. If any of you have any of your favorite movies that you want us to talk about on tech stuff instead of actual technology, please let us know because we love to do that. Yeah, apparently. You can write us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Uh, remember, we've got Tech Stuff Live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. You want to check that out, go to the uh, blogs at howstuffworks.com. And um, did you did you have something else you wanted to say, Chris? Yeah, yeah I wanted to ask you uh, what you might be doing, I don't know, on November 26th. Chris, are you asking me out on a date? No. Oh, damn, I'm I was... had to wait another day for that one. <laughs> no, I was going to ask you if uh, if you were going to be tuned into the Science Channel at oh, 8 o'clock. Yeah, actually I am because you know what's coming out at 8 o'clock on the Science Channel? I do indeed. That's the road to Pumpkin Chunkin'. Yeah, and you know what follows that up? Pumpkin Chunkin! At 9 o'clock. Yes, yeah, so if you want to watch people throw pumpkins a really far away using advanced technology... 
uh, then you're listening to the right podcast, gosh darn it, because, yes, tune in 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock on the Science Channel on Thanksgiving night. Gord's away. Yeah. All right, well, now that we've wrapped all that up, I guess it's time for us to sign off. Uh, remember, write us, let us know what you think. We welcome listener feedback, and we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.